Our gospel lesson this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Hear now the words of our Lord. Each year his parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to their custom. After the festival was over, they were returning home, but the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. After three days, they found him in the temple. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and putting questions to him. Everyone who heard him was amazed by his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were shocked. And his mother said, child, why have you treated us like this? Listen, your father and I have been worried. We've been looking for you. And Jesus replied, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he said to them. Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. His mother cherished every word in her heart. Jesus matured in wisdom and years and in favor with God and with God's people. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. Happy day after Christmas. <laughs> I hope that you had a Merry Christmas yesterday, whether you were alone with family or with friends. I hope that you experienced God's presence with you as you celebrated the birth of Jesus the light of God coming into the world. And in just one day's time, we've celebrated Jesus's birth, and now the gospel lesson tells us that he is 12 years old. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Jesus was born, and now it's up to us to live in light of what Jesus's birth means to the world. We have only this one glimpse of Jesus's childhood, Jesus was 12 when boys came of age in ancient Jewish culture. He joined his family on their annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover holiday. And this journey was not a short one. It was about over 60 miles, and it was not short, especially on foot, maybe taking four or five days each way. Well, this year, at each Passover holiday, the Jewish people would celebrate the story of God liberating their ancestors from slavery in Egypt. And because the Romans now ruled over them, making them feel like slaves again, the holiday kept alive the hopes that a new Moses might arise among them and lead them to expel the Romans. Like every good holiday, this Passover was to be about both the past and the present. And aren't we like that with our holiday celebrations? We're planted in the present, but don't we share memories of the past as we live the present? I know we sure did yesterday as Brad and I were alone over Christmas um, for most of the day, and we talked about the past. Our children weren't able to be with us for various reasons. And then also, as we live in the present, we remember and hopefully cherish the past, 
Don't we have hope for the future? Well, people traveled to and from the Passover festival in large groups. So Mary and Joseph assumed that Jesus was among his, their fellow travelers when they began their long trip walk home. When Jesus couldn't be found, they went back to Jerusalem where they looked for him for three long days. As a parent, couldn't you imagine looking for your child for three days in Jerusalem? It would be a pretty daunting task. Well, finally, they came to the temple, and there Jesus sat, their 12-year-old son among the religious scholars and teachers. He was asking questions of them and answering questions they posed in return. And everyone was amazed at this young spiritual prodigy. He was like a modern-day Solomon, King David's son, who is famous for his wisdom. Imagine a combination of Desmond Tutu, Adam Hamilton, and Beth Moore. There's a lot of wisdom in those three people. And this day, Desmond Tutu died this morning, and don't we grieve for his loss, our loss of him. Jesus' mother pulled him aside and gave him exactly the lecture you'd expect a mother to give a child. Child, she began, as if to remind this 12-year-old son that he was not grown up yet. Why have you treated us like this? Listen, your father and I have been worried sick. We've been looking everywhere for you. And Jesus replied, didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's home? Jesus' response tells us a lot. By the age of 12, he saw God in tender, fatherly terms. He saw himself as God's child. He was already deeply curious, as demonstrated by his questions to the religious scholars. And he was deeply thoughtful, demonstrated by his wise answers to their questions. Jesus then returned with his parents to Nazareth, and the next 18 years were summarized by Luke in these 14 words. Jesus matured in wisdom and years, and in favor with God and with people. Jesus' response to Mary was highlighted for me in this passage. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? Or another way of understanding this would be, didn't you know that it was necessary for me to dwell in my father's house? What does it mean to dwell? We heard a little bit from Kevin earlier. Well, I looked it up on Dr. Google. I wanted to know what biblically to dwell, what it meant. And biblically to dwell means to reside. How do you make God your dwelling place? Dwelling in God demands interaction, communication, time, and trust. This means we need to get to know God and discover the truth of God's word, the Bible. And prayer is a primary interaction, telling God what's happening in our lives, and then listening quietly in the silence for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And this interaction with God through scripture and prayer then lead to further interaction with our brothers and sisters in this world in which we live, to be hospitable, to be welcoming, 
to be inclusive. Beloved, the wind can be blowing, but if your sail isn't raised, you won't go far. You can be surrounded by oxygen, but if you don't breathe in, it won't do you much good, will it? The sap can be flowing, but if a branch isn't connected to the vine, it will wither. If you don't have kindling and wood in your fireplace, a match won't burn very long. Well, it's the same with the spirit. We are surrounded by God's presence, by the aliveness of God's spirit. And all that remains is for us to learn how to let the spirit flow, how to let it fill us and glow within us. This all happens when we dwell with God, when we spend time with God in scripture, in prayer, and in relationships with others. Well, now it's up to us to live in the light of what Jesus's birth means to us. We're convinced that what matters now is not for Christ to appear to us, but for Christ to appear in us, among us, and through us to the people that we interact with. Jesus wants us to be his hands, his feet, his face, his smile, his voice, his embodiment on earth. The Holy Spirit gives us each different spiritual gifts to be used for the common good. Someone may be gifted to teach or lead. Someone may be moved to write and sing a song like our beloved Travis behind me. <laughs> Someone may be given an inspired word of comfort or encouragement, or perhaps even a warning. Someone may be given a special message of insight or knowledge, and someone may speak in an unknown language, and someone may pray for great faith for a healing or a miracle to occur. The same spirit who gives the gifts is teaching us to be guided by love in all we say and do for love matters most for us. Colossians tells us to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We're called to forgive each other, but above all else, to clothe ourselves in love. After Jesus and Mary talk with each other, they and Joseph return to Nazareth and no one records exactly what happens from that point on to the time when Jesus suddenly reappears. But when he appears, he is telling us to repent, that the kingdom of God has come and we're to live new lives. He teaches us with parables, with instructions, with expansion on the scriptures that everybody had. How did he grow in favor of God and people? We might not know the details, but we certainly know how. He dwelled in God's presence. He allowed God to dwell in his presence. He dwelled in God by reading the scriptures, reflecting on them, asking what they meant for his life in his time, asking what they would mean for all people for all time. He kept the Sabbath. He paid attention. In modern terms, he was a noticer. He prayed. He allowed God the Father to shape him into who he was always meant to be. 
and he allowed God the Father to shape him into who we can only dimly understand he always was and is and will be, God the Son. He becomes and he is the presence of Christmas, always and everywhere for all of us. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you that you invite us to dwell with you always. We thank you that you dwell within us and that we are with one another in this experience called life. We thank you for the blessings that you so freely give to us, for the celebrations and the people who are our companions through life. And we thank you, Lord, that you are with us in our grief and in whatever sorrow we might feel. May we always dwell in your presence, Lord. And when we turn away or we pretend we don't, we invite you to draw us back, to remind us, to give us that friendly nudge and invitation. And may we live our lives in truth and in hope, remembering all that you have done and are doing for us. Because we want to spread the aliveness of your Holy Spirit through this world. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name with gratitude in our hearts. Amen.